Welcome to the Get to Vet podcast, where we bridge the knowledge gaps in the military transition process so you can focus on what's ahead. Hey, Get to Vet listeners, this is Mike. And now for my personal disclaimer, although I am active duty military, I'm not an official spokesperson of the United States Navy. Any of my views expressed on the Get to Vet podcast are based on my personal experience. Thanks for listening. Hey there, Get to Vet. This is Trevor Waxwell. Uh, damn it, I screwed my name up again. Trevor <laughs> Maxwell. And with me as always is my podcasting partner and favorite drinking buddy. Mike Riggs. Hey, and today we have a great guest, uh, Garrett Harrell. So I met Garrett a couple years ago uh, when I volunteered to go sit on a panel for the Honor Foundation uh, down at the Camp Lejeune uh, campus for the Marshak guys. And I'm not going to talk too much about him. I'll let him go ahead and introduce himself and kind of tell a little bit about his story. So Garrett, take it away. Well, uh, guys, I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, Been looking forward to this. Uh, so yeah, so like Trevor said, uh, so Trevor came down, we met uh, at the, basically the Lejeune slash Marsoc cohort for the Honor Foundation. Uh, this was fall of 2019, and I had just put my paperwork in to retire. Uh, I did 21 total, total years of service in the military. I started out as a, as a sailor and uh, got out, went to college, and 9-11 happened. Uh, I took a look at some of the of, at where I was in life, the things I missed, the things that I felt that I owed uh, the country, like a lot of people at that point in time. Um, there's a huge, obviously a huge uh, group of veterans now that are, that are post 9-11. And I joined the Marine Corps uh, at that point in time instead, just based on some relationships I had when I was in college and I was actually working in the civilian sector after graduating college and spent 18 years in the Marine Corps. 14 of that was, was as a Marine Raider. Um, actually, before we had the name Raiders added to us, uh, we were just Marsoc dudes back then. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, recently retired, September of last year. Uh, had an interesting, um, interesting transition, uh, thanks to COVID. A lot of things that I think we'll probably cover that as, as we go. Uh, so I won't get into it because there were a lot of things that I had planned. I felt that I was doing it right, probably 85 to 90 percent. I felt that I was on top of it. And my plan uh, definitely, you know, COVID definitely threw a, a kink in, in, in the path that, that I was taking at that point in time. But I retired um, since uh, since retirement. I actually started a company uh and in January of this year, I actually took over as the chief operating officer for Elite Meat, which is a 501c3 nonprofit, which specializes in introducing veterans of the special operations and fighter pilot communities with business leaders and uh, industry sectors. And both Trevor and Mike are, are members of, of our community. Uh, and do great things and we'll do great things together moving forward but that's me in a nutshell thanks yeah and that i guess that was uh something i think we could start talking about first is um we we had this convert we had a little bit of a conversation before we got on here um the the importance of building out those networks when you get out of the military 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so in my little, you know, my spiel, uh, when I talk to people that are interested in coming on board elite meet and just any, any transitioning veterans, uh, in general, right. Um, I was the, the de facto, uh, director of recruiting, a, a completely voluntary position for almost a year and a half before I actually took over as the chief operating officer. So I had tons of conversations with people, but in my research, what I found, because I wanted to be accurate, and I'm, I'm kind of a nerd, so learner is my, uh, my top Clifton strengths, right? So I wanted to be accurate in the information I was passing to people. What I found was this one statistic that I think resonates with the value that Elite Meat brings to the transition, this transition space, complementary to all the other great organizations that are out there that things that I took part of that I, I know we'll discuss here at some point, but that's to, you know, that fact that I learned was that, you know, 80% of jobs are found through networking, either knowing someone in a company or knowing someone that knows someone in a company, right? 80% of jobs are found by networking with people, not feeling, you know, not filling out hundreds of resumes and, you know, pushing them into, you know, the, whatever it is, the ATS or whatever they call it, that automatic system. It's, it's by networking with people. It's by building relationships. Now, here's the other interesting fact to that. Out of that 80%, 80% of those jobs were never even listed to begin with, right? There weren't even jobs that were on the table. The relationships that you build show your value, show your character. And when you're aligned with an organization that has that, that has those same values and that they see this and they want people that want to be invested the way they, and with the way their core visions are set and the way our core values are set and the way their vision is set, right? They want people that are invested. And if you're likable, man, it's an easy thing, right? So it's like, honestly, Networking with people is what gets people jobs. And sometimes those jobs don't even exist until you meet someone and they say, you know what? I don't know where you're going to fit in our organization. We'll figure that out after a couple more conversations, but we know that you will bring value and we want you on board, right? And it's absolutely amazing. So I think the power of the network, just in understanding, you know, those two statistics are, are amazing. So where Elite Meat comes in, um, like I mentioned, you know, we basically help that. We have that network, right? So the, the transitioning military or the transitioning service members, you know, nightmare is the network that they have is the space that they're moving away from. They don't have the network that they need toward the space they're moving. And Elite Media is essentially that ready-made network of like-minded, high-performing, ambitious, and curious people that is already in it, already exists, and you just have to tap into it, um, which I think is is really powerful. One thing I really like was the you guys just came out with the Elite Meet Connect the app, and uh, I just I was working on getting mine set up, but I was like, oh, this is something that's going to be awesome, uh, like you know, that's, everything's done electronically now. And I've kind of learned to embrace that now here where I'm, where I'm working at now. And I'm huge, you know, I use LinkedIn. I'm on there a lot every day. 
And then I saw this app and I was like, okay, that's awesome. Because before, you know, we had the Slack chat app and that was okay. Like there's a lot of interaction on there, especially as the membership base has grown. But um, I'm, I'm really excited about that app. I need to get on there and, and finish my profile out on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, please do. Uh, yeah. So I will tell you that, you know, I was, I was a huge fan of Slack um, when, I, when I first learned about Slack. And then as I started getting involved with more organizations, I, ha- I had their Slack channels also. If, you know, my Slack right now, I think has seven different groups on it and uh, it gets overwhelming at times. And I, I think Slack is a great organizational tool in an organization to use for communication purposes, right? It's not a great networking tool, you know, or tool, excuse me. It's not a great networking tool. Uh, and I say that because, you know, Slack, it's, it's the domino effect, right? So it's kind of like, you know, Slack can be quiet for three days and then someone comes in, they introduce themselves or they have an ask uh, or an offer of assistance that they're, that they're bringing to the table. And within seconds, that message disappears because someone else posted about something, maybe an event somewhere or that, you know, and then someone else posts and then someone else posts and that thing gets buried. Right. I think the beauty of the new tool is it shows where people are. Right. And that's something that I think is, <laughs> is something we all have to get used to. Right. We all, we, we're all from the, the, the community, right. We're all from the enterprise where social media was a dirty word right? When we were in the service and we have to understand that moving forward, I mean, especially LinkedIn, right? I mean, and you know, you guys are pretty active on LinkedIn. I try to be pretty active on LinkedIn, but these are great tools to build networks. And I think EM Connect is that, that great tool for us as a community, because I can literally go into it and I can see where people are if they allow that in, in, in the platform, right? So for example, if I'm going to Hampton Roads or if I'm going to Tampa or if I'm going to Dallas or Houston because we have events coming up, I can literally just message the people there and say, hey, I'm coming to your area. I'd love to just sit down and have coffee, maybe have lunch and let's talk and, and see where, you know, see where you are and see what happens. Right. And you could, act, it's just much more friendly. Uh, the beauty of the ENECT as well is as we, as we keep building this out and we bring our partners, our corporate partners, our corporate sponsors that allow us to have the events that we're having, uh, they come in and it becomes a tool for them uh, a robust search engine of high performers that they can really tailor their search to and find people that they can reach out to for opportunities, right? I mean, if it's someone, and I use, I use the example, and if it's, but if it's someone, say, Amazon, or if it's someone, um, Microsoft, right? Like they can literally search, and which is why we, when we ask the questions that we do when people come in, but you can literally search for people that listed Microsoft or Amazon or, or any company uh, of interest, right? Like they, they, they said, hey, I want to work for the, these, these companies. And they, you know, they can search that and they can see, hey, oh man, these, you know, these 20 people want to work for Microsoft. They're all in the Pacific Northwest. Here's a pool of high performers that I can just reach out to, right? And send a list of opportunities. So I, I think it's a fantastic tool. 
Uh, I think it's, you know, we're obviously in the initial stages of it. Um, but I think it's going to be a game changer for the community. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how that uh, fleshes out. You know, one of the things you talk about, the, the networking piece, absolutely critical. And the second order effect is the discovery piece as the veteran who's transitioning, trying to figure out really what's out there. I've talked about it before, you know, feeling like the lab puppy that was let off his leash after being behind, you know, being on it for 30 years and, and running around the yard going, Oh, wow, I can do that. I can do that. And still not knowing what the heck is exactly out there. But, you know, for, there's a, you know, another organization had mock interviews last Thursday that we took part of. And the interesting thing was they gave us the roster of the five folks we were going to interview with. And the first interview I was supposed to have was with Smithfield foods. And in our neighborhood where Trevor and I live in Suffolk, Smithfield executives, it's like, it's like Smithfield headquarters in our neighborhood. And my, my daughter is, is friends with a, you know, daughter of a, you know, one of the VPs at Smithfield. And so I had done some research, you know, I was prepared to name drop and I, I was, I was ready to hit this one. I was ready to crush this one. Right. And so last minute that guy drops off. And they replaced it with a guy from Verizon named, named Paul. And I thought, oh, you got to be kidding me. And of course, I go into this with bias of there is no way that I'm ever going to work for Verizon because I'm not selling cell phones. I'm not upgrading your 64 gigabytes to 128. This is going to be a waste of time and uh, okay, but I'm just going to suffer through this like I've done through other things in my career. Let's go. I get on this interview with Paul and quick intro. Paul was a army musician, fellow service member. Paul works in fraud prevention in Verizon. And I'm like, wait a second. I guess in a corporation as large as Verizon, they would have to have something like that. That's pretty cool. Tell me about this thing that you do with Verizon and fraud prevention. Oh, well, you know, it has to deal with selling cell phones overseas and, you know, you know, just skimming like little bits and pieces off of bills and how that adds up to millions and, you know, potentially billions. And he's a part of that department that prevents those things from happening and prevents loss for the corporation of Verizon. And I was like, that's absolutely, that's intriguing. I'm, I'm in, you know, uh, and by the end of the conversation, it was, Hey, let's be, you know, let's connect on LinkedIn. You mind if I take your resume and I'll share it with the folks at Verizon. And I'm like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. This, this is absolutely fascinating. And of the five interviews that I had that day, that was the one that resonated with me the most. And I was a complete fool for the, you know, the, the, uh, the bias that I had going into it and it was complete ignorance based on, I didn't know what I was, I didn't know going into it. And it was the discovery piece of, of that network and, and really just trying to, you know, broaden my horizons and understand, even though, you know, I say, you know, Verizon is obviously probably a, a fortune 500 or definitely fortune 500, probably fortune 100, but not even knowing what parts are even in those niche corporations and where there's niche niches in those corporations and what they do you know, is, and being able to get into folks, you know, minds that, that 
uh, offer to come and meet with folks at like Elite Meet and and be able to meet with folks like us and and discuss those opportunities is fantastic. Yeah, you bring so you bring up a fantastic point, and it was I think this is a great segue, right? So the Honor Foundation, fantastic program, went through in in fall of nineteen. When I when I walked away from the Honor Foundation, it was actually more problematic and it was more problematic because that program opened my eyes to the fact that I could do anything right I had I didn't have a thousand options I had a million options and it was problematic because it's like every I think the the biggest question every transitioning service member has is the hell am I going to do when I grow up right I mean, you did what you did for 30 years, Mike, right? Yep. And it's like, what the hell am I going to do now? And I was that guy that everything interested me and then nothing interested me all at the same time, right? Like I was like, oh, I got to bring, I just got, I want to learn about all this stuff um, because I didn't know what I didn't know. And it's, that's the beauty of, of understanding though exactly what you brought up because of the the mock interview is a, a, a company is a company is a company it runs the same way right their vision might be different their strategies are different right their core values are different but at the end of the day it's a business and it runs like a business and that's what i tell people you can so jp morgan chase and company the minute I, I mentioned that to someone that's extremely operations focused, they're like, I don't want to work in finance. But I tell them, I'm like, well, you don't have to work in finance at JP Morgan. You can work in operations at JP Morgan. You can work at, in business development in JP Morgan or sales or marketing, right? Or, or whatever, or HR. Like you can work, I mean, it's a company. It's just like, you know, it's just like our shops that we had our respective shops in our units, whether it was an, an, an S preceded the number or an N or a J, right? Like, you know, it's, you can do anything. What you have to figure out is really those interests and really like what your values are and really sort of search companies that way, right? Like, so, you know, we get a lot of, a lot of uh, tech companies interested in, uh, in elite me and our members, which is awesome because for our members, problem solving is a huge, uh, it's just something we do. We do well and we enjoy it because we do it well, right. For most, for most people in our community and tech is, is changing at the rapid rate. It's constantly got to be thinking 10,000 meters instead of 10 meters. And, you know, it's, I, I think that's a, a great way to, you, you know, you tell people that, hey, here's an opportunity. And this is where Elite Meet comes in handy too, is, is in, in conjunction with these other organizations, whether it's the Honor Foundation, Commit Foundation, uh, SOTIF, or, or any of those transition fellowships, is we have the ready-made network. All the infor informational interviews that you, you need and should be having we have the people there. We have the people that ventured into us into us in a space the non-traditional way, right? They they might have gotten into investment banking without the MBA. They might have gotten into private equity 
without a master's degree, right? Like, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just people get into things because they learn about it and they understand the value and where they fit and that ultimately they're going to enjoy it. So yeah, great point, man. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, for my own personal experience, I was in that same, I was like, I don't, I have no idea what I want. I thought I was going to go contract for one of those companies that does the big exercises. It was like, you know, I can go there, work 10, 10 days and make a thousand dollars a day and be good. Um, and as I, you know, as I was kind of going through the process, I, I, same thing that happened to Mike, right? I had an opportunity thrown in front of me. I went to go see a guy who was a financial advisor and it turned out that he and I had gone to high school together. And, um, you know, he said, Hey, if you don't know what you want to do, he's like, you seem like you like this stuff. Like every time I would go in there, he and I would have these very in-depth conversations about things. And he's like, I mean, maybe you should come work with me if you think that's something that you would like to do. And I was like, actually, yeah, I, you know, that meeting after we left, I was just kind of sitting there thinking about that. And, and I was like, yeah, that, that actually wouldn't be a bad idea. And, and my wife was like, yeah, that, I mean, that would be cool. And so I went for it. I was like, screw it, man. Yeah. I'll go try to do this. And it was, it was like that first couple of years was tough doing it. You know, I was a new guy. Um, but I got through it and my, you know, those first couple of years really shaped my perspective and kind of helped me understand what's important in business and, and especially this type of business that I'm doing now. And I was able to use that when I came over, you know, that all that foundation that I had learned into the new company to where my success increased exponentially. Um, and, but, you know, had that chance encounter never happened and had you not just thrown that out there, like half joking. Cause when I went and talked to him a couple weeks later, he was like, Oh, was, uh, I was kind of joking, but he's like, if you, think that's something you might be interested in doing we can talk more about it uh, so it's kind of like how i got to where i am today yeah we talked yeah, about yeah. the networking earlier you know in the you know this before we started recording my skillbridge opportunity the only reason i got that skillbridge opportunity is the ceo was on a platoon with trevor on seal team two when i was trevor's chief from 2006 till 2008 and so Trevor was talking to him one day and he was talking about trying to build up his staff a little bit more and bring on, on board, a, you know, another senior enlisted guy. And Trevor brought up my name and then I started talking with the CEO about it. And then it wasn't even a Skillbridge opportunity at the time. It was just to bring me on board for, you know, for later on, you know, after I transition or during my transition. And then we started talking about it with the founder and the CEO and, it transitioned into, well, okay, well, maybe we'll do this as a skill bridge. And then we ended up getting them certified as a skill bridge provider. And then here I am. So it was absolutely the network that made that happen. And it was through, you know, being on SEAL Team 2 almost 15 years ago that made that happen. So, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy how that, that works out. Uh, it comes around. Well, tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your transition out and maybe some of the issues you had and, and how you overcame them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think it was late July of 2019. I, I decided I was like, I know that I'm, I'm done. Um, and it, it was kind of that 
that transition too. So when I, my last two years uh, in the military, I was assigned to the regimental staff for the Marine Raider Regiment. And I, when I came over there, I said, okay, I will do the two years. Um, knowing that part of that, you know, second year was going to be me transitioning and retiring, which would have put me just short of, just short of, I think um, by a month of, of 21 years. Um, so I did it. Luckily, I know the program director for the Lejeune cohort, Dave Polaris for the Honor Foundation called, was able to uh, snag a seat in the fall 19 cohort, went through that. And honestly, at that point, I was like, oh, that's when I started learning about things, right? I started learning about SkillBridge. Um, I learned uh, not only about SkillBridge, but, you know, the uh, Soft Care Coalition uh, does fellowships, which are very similar to SkillBridge. And it's specifically through the Soft Care Coalition. And I started looking at things and I found out about uh, the Tuck Next Step program um, through a fellow uh, Marine Raider who had been through one of the 2019 cohorts. And I was like, these were all things that I was interested in. Um, and what I learned very quickly was that time decreases rapidly when you start adding things in, right? So when I started, when I decided I wanted to do a skill bridge or I, you know, I ultimately did a fellowship through the care coalition that takes six months off. Right. You also have terminal leave, you know, your terminal leave that you can take, which I, I took minimal uh, just because I didn't have, <clears throat> I wanted to take advantage of some other things. I did minimal, but you know, that takes a lot of time off, off the backside. You also have your permissive TDY, uh, which you can, you can take and, and your 10 days of, of house hunting that, uh, that the military gives you in your retire, like all of that stuff adds up. I mean, now you're talking not just a six month skill bridge. You're talking, this is potentially nine to 10 months off the, the last year. And if you're not thinking, and if you're not back planning that, like you miss out on those opportunities, right? Um, and these are all things that you can take advantage of as long as you're, you know, if you're looking at it, you know, much sooner. Um, but yeah, so I, I knew, and, and, a, and a lot of this was, was steered from the relationships that I had built um, through, through members of Elite Meet, because I, I joined Elite Meet in July of 2019, started building relationships saw where a lot of the a lot of the members were headed which was in the, either the finance world or the tech world and that interested me because it was something that was different i think all of us look at um you know i think one of the first things that when we consider just like you said trevor right like we can take path a which is we know what path a is is we're either doing the same thing we did in uniform out of uniform uh, as a contractor, or we're looking at going a government worker worker route, right? Um, or we can do B, which is wide open highway, and there, it's filled with all kinds of stops uh, that you can learn about stuff. And I really knew I was headed toward B. Um, 
tech really interested me, but finance is interested me too, because I knew that I didn't know anything about either. <laughs> and it interested me because I was like, well, these will definitely be a challenge. So then I started learning about programs um, like Skillbridge, Tuck Next Step, and it kind of all sort of fell into place. I was doing a networking event with the Honor Foundation down in Wilmington, North Carolina at a a company called Live Oak. Uh, they are a digital lending platform um, that specializes in small business lending. Uh, they are started as a fintech company, so fi finance technology. And I was like, man, look at this, finance and technology all in the same, <laughs> all in the same space. And here's two things that interest me because I know that I, I know that I know absolutely nothing about both. Um, so here's a, here's a great learning opportunity. And I, I was down there and their director of, of talent was at the networking event with us. And I started talking to him about the soft, uh, care coalition fellowship. And right then and there, we, we kind of shook hands and outlined what a fellowship with them since they were right down the road would look for me. So from May to the end of September, I was going to be running a fellowship. This is 2020, right? And I'm learning all this early. So this is now like October, you know, probably October of 2019. So I'm laying the groundwork. I applied at the same time for the Tuck Next Step uh, program through Dartmouth, which is a transition to business uh, program that's uh, really, really specializes in helping athletes and military veterans basically get a, a very generic business acumen in a short short uh, span of time with probably some of the finest uh, business professors <laughs> in the world, right, with, with Dartmouth. Um, and it's interesting because the program really, really, uh, really has two groups primarily that you see a lot of, and it's Olymp Olympic athletes, so Olympians, and special operations veterans. And I think that is a great sort of comparison of, of the state of mind of both, right? Imagine being a, an, an Olympic athlete and you spend your life dedicated to a single sport. And ultimately you get to a point where, you know, you, things happen, you age, you know, things change and you're just not as, not as competitive anymore. And what happens next, right? Um, same thing with same thing in the military, right? We 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 kind of work ourselves out of out of jobs on the teams into positions that we might not you know might not necessarily enjoy anymore. And we, you know, it's sometimes it's time. It's a young man's game. It's kind of move on, right? Um, so I did this, and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get tuck. I'm gonna roll into. I'm gonna take my permissive TDY. I'm going to go to Tuck. I'm going to come back. I'm going to go uh, do my internship. And I've checked out of my command on, I think it was like March 15th. And uh, I was already doing the non-resident work for Tuck at that point in time. And <laughs> a week after I left, uh, left work, uh, getting ready to, to like complete that program, and roll into my my fellowship with Live Oak, the pandemic happened, right? And then everything shut down. And, you know, I was 
you know, had my fingers crossed uh, about a week before I was supposed to head up to Hanover to Dartmouth to, to wrap up the last 11 days on campus, they canceled the program. So I had done basically two months of a two and a half month program and it was oh, just, man. and it was canceled. Um, so I was like, wow, uh, they deferred us. Uh, they deferred us to this year, which I deferred. I actually, uh, I finished the program on Wednesday, <laughs> this, this, uh, this past Wednesday. Nice. Um, yeah. So finally did, I was able, was able to, to go through it. Well, of course now Tuck is canceled. And then I'm like, okay, my, you know, my, my internship, I'm contacting, you know, the, the HR crew at Live Oak and they're like, we're still doing this. And then they basically sent everybody home to work remotely. And it was, it was interesting because it shows, it shows how hard it was for everybody to flex at this point in time. Like that organization, like that company had to learn how to do work from home for everybody. So what that meant for me was, is instead of starting at the beginning of May, I started, uh, I think the second week in June, because it took them about a month to sort of figure out how everybody can have access and how do we set up this, you know, how do we tunnel into these, these networks because it's a bank, right? So it requires um, secured systems and you have to, you know, tunnel in through virtual machines and VPNs. And they were figuring, you know, it took them about a month to figure this out for everybody. So I, w- I was able to onboard with them and uh, with a couple of other uh, new hires, actually, I think about five or six new hires. So I was the, the intern with some interns, but I onboarded specifically in what is called the business analyst group. Um, with a bunch of recent college grads that had just been hired. So awesome for them. And man, you know, I was, I was in that section for about a month and a half. And then I moved to their credit department where I ended up wrapping up the, the fellow, the fellowship. But what, what I learned was not what I had hoped, you know, what I had hoped was that this is what I want to do. Right. (laughs) That was, this is what I had set my sights on. And what I learned was I didn't want to do that. You know, I, I was like, I love the company's great, right? Great values, uh, great vision. They're doing great things for, you know, the American small business owner by providing, you know, by providing loans and making sure people get to realize their dream. All things that I totally get behind. I just couldn't get behind the, t- the task, right? Like I couldn't get behind the, the routine, you know, the daily, daily routine of, of whatever task was going on. And, and what I also learned was, is that I was going to be spending more time away from home than I had the last couple of years in the military, Mm -hmm. minus going away for training and running exercises. I mean, I was talking about now experiencing a 60 plus hour work week and I was supposed to be retired. Right. I know that's, it's t- a lot of companies. I think that's one of the things that a lot of companies like about hiring military people is they're like, yeah, these guys are already used to working 60 to 80 hour work weeks. So <laughs> they're good, but it's tough. Like for, you know, guys like us who are retiring, cause 
you're just like, man, I'm, I'm ready to be done with that stuff. And yeah, um, I get, you know, for me, it's a little different kind of working for myself. I, I don't mind it as much, but I can also, you know, I'm not on somebody else's schedule. So, well, what, um, we, we had this conversation earlier about, um, education, right? Because you and Mike, yep. uh, you guys are both University of Charleston alumni. And I, so I wanted to kind of, we were saying like, hey, we were talking about this before we started recording and we we're like, hold on, stop. Let's go back and rehash this and then we'll record it. So I'll let you kind of, you and Mike kind of talk about that program. And, you know, I had my own little interjection there, but uh, let's dig into that a little bit more. Well, yeah, the the part about the program for me when I went through the University of Charleston Master of Strategic Leadership Program, and I, you know, we, we were talking about it earlier, how so many other people that we know have gone through it as well. And even some of the folks that I work with in my uh, skill bridge, they went through the undergrad. And then I had started the doctoral program and now I'm deferred until I retire at least. But the, the great thing about it that, and the part that I enjoyed with the program was the, and, and there was a guy, uh, his name was uh, Brady. He works down at the Joint Special Operations uh, down at the, what they call the Joint Special Operations University down there in Tampa. Teaches at the uh, Senior Enlisted Academy there. Uh, and one of the things he said was, and I remember it was just, you know, we're finally putting all of this experience into you know, into academic context. And, and that was the, that program, if, if I would have signed up to take that program at, let's say age, let's say I finished undergrad, obviously I didn't at age of 22. I don't think I finished my undergrad until 2004. So I was 32, 34, whatever it was. Uh, Yeah. I was on the Tommy boy program at, uh, at, at that time taking night school and uh, all that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, anyway, there's no way I could have done a leadership program. I've just been making stories up. I mean, it would have been fiction, but to have all of that experience throughout the time in the military and making leadership mistakes and those micro, most of them were micro failures, but having all those lessons learned along the way and being able to put those things into, you know, the the academic context and apply those. And then the good thing was for me too, I was, when I was doing the program, I was the command master chief of EOD school. So I didn't have to run it through an ethics board. I could just take my little experiments that I could apply. and, And I would, I would do, I'd run little experiments at the school with, you know, some of my personnel, I would, I would, I would do things, you know, as just run experiments and run little projects and see what would happen. And, and, and some of them were kind of funny and some of them actually worked and it was, it was a, it was a great program and a great time to, to be a part of it. And I, and I really learned a lot by not only doing the research, but the, the practical application of it as well. Yeah. So my introduction to that program was, I think was, almost completely serendipitous. I, so it's, it's interesting that you mentioned JSAL. Um, I was in a strategic planning course uh, on Lejeune at our schoolhouse. It was one, you know, it was a, a mobile training team from JSAL uh, was given us the strategic planning course. And 
think I was just bantering with the instructor uh, during lunch one day, and he told me about um, the master's program at the University of Charleston. And, and, he, and he told me that, you know, this course is actually uh, satisfies one course uh, for the master's, which means, you know, you get three credits automatically. And I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. And I was at this point in time, I was actually shopping around for master's programs. This is why we started talking about this. And I was looking at all the requisite schools, right? Norwich, uh, Phoenix, all the ones that when you go to um, the education person in your unit, they point you in all these directions, right? I was looking at some outside ones too, right? Um, and literally the next week, I got an email from University of Charleston. I don't know if I like signed up to get information from or, or what, but they sent me a flyer that said, oh, we have this new thing called a military uh, scholarship. And, it, and I learned that I could take this whole program and never spend more than tuition assistance. Now, because I was prior service, I didn't have access to any more GI Bill money. So I used my GI Bill, which was, was, was peanuts compared to what they give you today. You know, back in, in 1996, when I got out of the military the first time, I used that to get my bachelor's at the University of Florida. And so I had to rely specifically on tuition assistance. And then I was like, oh, wow, I can take a whole, get a whole master's degree and never have to pay out of pocket, uh, except for books, right? Which were minimal, as a matter of fact. So that honestly was the main driver for me to go because I just wanted to be, I wanted, I wanted to get a master's. I tried to get a master's when I first joined the Marine Corps and it was, it was abysmal. I remember being in the field as a, as a infantryman with two gallon Ziploc bags and books and highlighters. And when everybody was, you know, at rest at nighttime, I had a headlamp on and I was reading books and, and highlighting things and it was terrible. And I, I didn't make it. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Um, so here, I really wanted to do this and it was very serendipitous. I really enjoyed the program. Um, but what I, what I found was, is that the things that I also wish I would have learned a little bit more about um, where they say that that program specifically is a non-technical uh, business degree versus a technical business degree, which is your MBA. Um, those were the things that honestly, as I started transitioning, those were the things that I realized that I, I, I wanted to know more of because I, I knew that that was a foreign language to me, uh, which is what made the Tuck Next Step program uh, very interesting to me because it is literally a transition to business. Um, it is that baseline business acumen so you can speak the language. We talked about it earlier, right? It's like being able to speak the language uh, when someone starts, you know, reading off their acronyms in, in the business world. You know, the military is rife, you know, with our own. But, you know, they have the same thing in the finance world, right? When they start talking about uh, the bottom line, there's all kinds of acronyms that I wanted to, I was like, oh man, it's foreign language. I wish I had to learn more about this. Um, yeah, we started talking about the doctoral program. And, and what I said was, is it's interesting because I get that a lot in my talks with people that come into elite me is I get a lot of people 
that are like, well, I'm thinking about doing this doc, you know, this doctoral program with University of Charleston. And this is not me. Listen, University of Charleston, great degree. I appreciated it. Honestly, I love the material and it's definitely in my wheelhouse these days. But the doctoral program, I tell people, it's like, why? Like, why are you getting the doctoral program? And I'm going to actually compare the doctoral program to a project management certificate, right? We get sort of these, these resources thrown at us um, as we're transitioning, right? As we start learning about things, we learn that there are tons of things that are out there. And what I tell people today is, and I was that guy, I was like, oh, I'm getting, I'm taking advantage of this. I'm taking advantage of this. I'm taking advantage of this. And at, what I start doing, I just start taking advantage of everything because it's there to take advantage of. There's no deliberateness at all, right? And it just creates this huge white noise. Um, I started the PMP and I'm, you know, I'm sure someone at, you know, Onward Opportunity is, is, is cussing me right now because I, I stopped. I just did it. I didn't want to do it, right? I was, you know, yes, it is a great tool to have. Yes, it is, right? Like if you're going to move in that direction, but if you're not moving in that direction, it's the same thing with a human resource certificate, right? If I'm not moving in that direction, I don't need a human resource certificate. If I am not planning on being an adjunct professor at a college or a university or a community college, I don't need a doctoral in, in leadership, right? I don't need it in anything. Um, what I, what I need is I need what we talked about is I wish, you know, you know, Trevor, you were talking about, you started going for your MBA. You know, I, I didn't go that route because I didn't see the utility in it then. Now I see the utility of it, but there's, I'm, I'm, I don't have that much school left in me. Right. Like I'm, <laughs> there's not enough, <laughs> I not enough time for that stuff anymore. Right. Um, but we talked about there's there's other avenues that you can take, right? So the Tuck Next Step program for, for business acumen, Stanford, uh, Stanford's Ignite program uh, to learn about business and entrepreneurship. And there and there are also there are scholarships for like 9-11, post 9-11 uh, veterans. Um, and, and, these, and, and Tuck, I mean, Tuck is amazingly inexpensive um, for probably being connected to the most impressive group of people that you'll, you'll ever be. You, you, we've been in some very impressive groups in our careers. I can probably, like, we know this, right. And then you go to something like Tuck and you're like, damn, I didn't think that people could be more impressive. Um, so you, there's opportunities, there's opportunities for executive uh, level education um, certificates and things like that. So that's, you know, I just, I tell people that do what I didn't do, like just think about it and be more deliberate because if you get wrapped up in the static, like you're just going to hear static and it's just going to stay static. But my, my story was, uh, you know, kind of similar, but from the different direction. Right. So as I was getting out and I think one of the things about that, like you were saying, why do people want to get PhDs? Well, you know, when we're in the military, we keep getting told, well, go get your associate's degree. It'll get you ahead of your peers when you're whatever, go get your bachelor's degree, get your, in fact, like I remember talk about like, and, you know, for senior enlisted guys, they were going to say, yeah, you have to have 
a bachelor's degree to make E8 or whatever. Now they're saying like the senior enlisted Academy um, or, you know, equivalent bachelor's degree, which I think it's funny that they're equating now a senior enlisted Academy to a bachelor to a four-year degree, but we get this put in our heads that like, yes, you have to have that on paper um, in order to set yourself apart from everybody. And I think a lot of vets get out and they're like, Oh, okay, well I'll go get my PhD. That'll establish me as an expert in this and people will automatically want to hire me. And what they don't understand is like, guess what? There are a ton of other people with PhDs out there. You ain't shit, right? The way that you're going to separate yourself is, you know, building your personal brand, getting known, like networking, like we talked about getting your name out there and letting people know who you are. So I kind of fell in that same trap. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go get my MBA. I started the program when I was still active duty and it was, you know, I got about a third of the way through it and I had been retired by then. And I kind of came to the realization. I was like, you know what, man, I have a bachelor's in business. I'm basically paying them money to take the same classes over again. And for the work that I was doing in financial services, I was like, this has no relevance whatsoever to what I'm doing right now. Um, and so I went and talked to a couple of people who I kind of looked at as, as mentors and in the industry. And I was like, what do you think? And they're like, well, I kind of agree with you. Like an MBA has no relevance in what you're doing right now. I, I think an MBA is great if you want to go work for a big corporation. Um, I think that's awesome. And for people that want to do that, it's, it'll definitely help you out. But for me, I already had the bachelor's in business. I was working in an industry, you know, in a capacity that it wasn't really that relevant. And so I started looking at other options and somebody said that they're like, look at some certifications that are relevant to your profession as a financial advisor. And so I came across, you know, I started looking and I looked at like, okay, here's this American College of Financial Services Really, I was looking at CFP programs and, and I came across that and I was looking at the the stuff they had and I was like, oh, I like this chartered financial consultant, um, which is what I'm doing now. I'm almost done with it. And I've learned way more stuff that's relevant to what I actually do right now. And, you know, I it, that was the big thing is like I was like, I'm not learning anything new. This is all stuff I've done before. Do I really want to keep devoting my time to this? Um, Cause we talked about that on another podcast recording, like, Hey man, time is your most valuable asset. So resource, the one resource you never have enough of, right? Like, so let me go back because I'm sure that there's people that are probably like, Oh, Garrett doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Listen, there is value in getting a PhD, right? If you're going a specific route, right? If you are going into a space where you are, going into change management or organizational health and you're a consultant, like having a PhD in those things will bring value, right? We talk about an MBA. An MBA, right, if you want to be, and this is, the, this is the rule and there are exceptions, right? But if you typically, if you want to be a consultant in one of the big four firms, they want to see people with MBAs, right? Um, but investment banking, it's, it, it's interesting that you bring up CFP. Because a lot of people say, well, I'm going to get my MBA and I'm going to go to investment banking. And I've talked to guys in investment banking that actually tell people you're better suited getting your CFP, right? So it's really understanding. So my point to this is it's really understanding 
where you want to go and what is going to work towards what, what you're doing, right? Like I feel right now, you know, as the, as a COO of a nonprofit, yes, there are, there are, are definitive business, uh, you know, business knowledge that I need to know that there's a business acumen that I need to have, but it's, it's largely strategy based, right? It's not project management. It's not, you know, it's not stuff like that. So like that, those are the things that interest me. And those are the things that I, that I'm working hard at really, uh, really learning and retaining because it suits me for the role that I'm in now. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to go back and, and say, you know, yes, you know, if you, if you want to be a professor somewhere, then, then yeah, absolutely. But like knowing if you're going to work in operations at a, at a company, whether it's energy telecommunications or wherever, nobody cares if you have a PhD. And the problem is, is most job descriptions are so conflated on requirements these days. You see entry level job descriptions that are, are telling people that, that, that they want to, they recommend it as a master's degree, right? What? Right? No, no. I think that's just to make it way. easier on the HR people. <laughs> probably. There's probably a strategy to it, right? And it's, yeah, it's probably, it, it is, it's probably something there. But yeah, I just want to say that what I, my, my point to all of that about education is, is what I would do is I would start looking at the areas where you're interested and learn at what those people did. Right. But there's, but there's exceptions to every rule. And, you know, we have a member, we have a member in elite meet that works for um, a very, a very top level consulting firm. And he doesn't even have a master's degree. <gasps> and <laughs> Right. Dear God. <laughs> and I bet if you talk to him, I bet it had a lot to do with, with the relationships he built, the information that he obtained, and how he was able to get into that position without going a traditional route, right? But like yeah. ultimately, you know, that's what I would, I would talk to the people in the areas where you want to go and see what really matters. We don't, the one resource we never have enough of is time and you're not going to get that back. So why spend it on things that aren't going to make a difference? Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess it's just really, it's like, Hey man, understand what you really need. I'm not telling somebody don't go get a PhD because I just want to, okay. Awesome, man. <laughs> but it's a personal I, goal. Great. It's well, as, as like step one of this of the 12 step program. I mean, I'll admit uh, I am, one of the doctoral students or was i am deferred right now uh you know it was class number two that i deferred into it and one of the frustrating things that i found as i was going through the program was especially being that it was a, a leadership executive leadership program was i think there's an intersection at least in my mind where the practical meets the academic and then that intersection gets blown by and goes into the theoretical and you start getting a lot of academic and theoretical proposals and discussions and I can only bite my tongue for so long until I for lack of a better term throw the bullshit flag out and go 
you know, that's complete crap. That's never going to work. And I live with an academic who teaches finance and uh, I, I'm told I can't say those things because that's frowned upon severely in the academic world that I cannot be that person. So I don't know, you know, I don't know if my personality really even fits in that realm for continuation in that program. Even if I, you know, I, I, I'm still way on the fence and maybe even getting off, not going back, but um I don't know. You, you guys bring up really great points. And I, the other thing I want to bring up was when we were talking about the cost of, of the degrees and things. I mean, I finished my undergrad in, in 04 and man, I think I had $2,000 total in that. And I clept, I mean, that clep exams for military are free. If you're in the military, I mean, we're, we're, you know, if you're not taking clep exams, knocking out some of your fundamental courses, you're nuts. The time you'll save by just studying for those things and just knocking them out, do it. I mean, seize that opportunity. I did. And it, it saved me so much time um, and, and the money. And, you know, I think if I look at all the way up through finishing grad school, if I have $8,000 in my total education, that's probably an exaggeration and that's including graduation fees and, and books and everything. So you can't even get that in a state institution right now for tuition, you know, one, one semester tuition, you're not going to, I don't even know if you can get that in a community college right now for, for eight grand for, you know, one semester, you know, so man, folks need to take advantage of that while they're in if you're a four-year person an eight-year or you're a knucklehead like me and go all the way through for 30 but get that on your way out or even do you know some of these trade certification programs like they have here at tidewater community college you know these some of these welding courses they have you know when i worked up at the u.s senate talking to some of those folks up there you know in the aircraft carrier industrial base and what they're hiring apprentice and journeyman welders for the shipyard and man it is insane the career opportunities those folks have and that's absolutely yeah i mean in my profession education funding is is like one of the tenets of 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 what we do and you know the thing it just makes me mad i don't even call them institutions of higher learning anymore i call it the the higher education industry um because the cost of that stuff has outpaced inflation by like 300% over the last 20 years. And it just kind of makes me mad. It's like, the, you know, you guys are inflating these administrative departments. They love military. They're, they all have, Oh yeah, we got all these programs, military, this, cause they, they like that GI bill money. But I just, I don't like people being under the impression that they have to go get this degree in order to be successful out there because there's tons of other things uh, available to you that, that you can utilize and still achieve the same level of success. And um, I, I know we, we kind of ran over a little bit, so we'll, we'll start to close out, but what's, what's on the horizon for you now, Garrett? Uh, so horizon for me is, is to continue uh, helping sort of, uh, you know, flesh out a strategy for elite meet, which will, will take us into, into next year. You know, we kind of, had an opportunity with, with COVID happening. I mean, obviously COVID was bad news for, uh, for everybody, specifically 
nonprofits that specialize in in-person networking events, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so we had to learn how to do things different. Uh, we were able, we learned things about the community and about the organization during that downtime though. And we're re- regrouping and, you know, we're really in startup mode to tell you the truth. And I think it's, it's super exciting because we can sort of write, rewrite that path. And I, I think we're doing it now. And I think we're, we're on a good, you know, on a good track with excellent leadership and our CEO. Um, so, yeah, so that's the near future for me is, is helping uh, figure out where we're going um, and to start establishing for 2021 for Elite Me. Um, I also started a company during uh, the pandemic because, you know, there's only one one direction to go and that's back up when, when the world <laughs> returns to normalcy. Uh, and I'm really interested in building that out. Um, so that is, that is a priority of mine as well. Um, and being able to go into companies and work with, work with their employees to help them be more, more effective and higher performing. And that's my, yeah, that's my, that's yeah. my, definitely my near, my near mid and, and far term for my for my company <laughs> and i'll throw the plug out there for you too southern cross leadership <laughs> solutions yeah don't don't feel be bashful talk about it if yeah, you want. no absolutely yeah southern cross leadership solutions um you can find us at uh www.southerncrosscrew.com but um yeah if you're if your company and you're listening to this and you would like to get more out of your organic foundational teams, then take a look at me on LinkedIn, take a look at the website and let's have a discussion and see if there's uh, a fit for both of us. Awesome. Well, hey man, uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us today and we'll actually see you next week. Um, yep. You're coming up here to Norfolk for the elite meet event. So Mike, Absolutely. what you got? Ah, thanks for coming on. That was a great discussion. I'm looking forward to meeting you next week. And, uh, I really, I've, I've heard about elite meat for, I mean, for well before COVID well before I was transitioning, you know, I heard about the organization, all the great things you guys were doing. So it's really great to be a part of it. And I'm looking forward to, you know, moving the ball down the field and becoming a part of that network. So thanks for, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, we're looking forward to that as well. All right. Appreciate it. Yep. Thanks again, brother. Hey, Garrett Harrell uh, with Elite Meet and Southern Cross Leadership Solutions. Check out, check him out, connect with him on LinkedIn and uh, make sure you stay tuned for more episodes. I'm, I'm sure eventually we'll probably have him back here on the show. Absolutely. Be nice. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Get to Vet podcast. Make sure you subscribe to our channel and follow us on LinkedIn. If you'd like to come on the show, email us at Mike or Trevor at gettovet.net. That's get the number two vet.net and let us help you get to vet.